Uh, Jesus was well, once asked, what's the greatest commandment? The questioner seemed intent to get in good with God and wanted to uh, make sure he had his bases covered. Of course, we don't, uh, we don't know what became of the questioner, but we do know Jesus' reply. Uh, Jesus summarized the best way of getting on in life. He summarized God's desire for us with these simple words. Love God above all and your neighbor as yourself. The book of Ruth is about love. Some might say it's a love story, but it is not a romance. It isn't a Hollywood love story. The Old Testament book of Ruth is not a Hollywood movie ready to set passions ablaze. Ruth is not a Disney prince rescuing the poor young girl from the depths of poverty and torment. Ruth is a love story that reveals the kind of love that Jesus would applaud. It's a story of God's kind of love. It's a story of kindness. The Hebrew word is chesed. The book of Ruth shows us the kindness we would find in God's way of love. Uh, An older word for this is loving kindness. The story of Ruth reveals to us a people who remain faithful in daily life to the covenant that God established. They were faithful to demonstrate God's loving kindness. Now this morning we're going to do something a bit different. I'm going to offer you some reflections to help you understand the craft and the structure of the story of Ruth. And then I'm going to read the story of Ruth in its entirety. The story itself carries the message. One author notes that Ruth is an intricately woven, magnificently crafted tale. Ruth conveys a message essential to the heart of the Old Testament. The book of Ruth tells its story with a minimum of details, asides, detours, flashbacks. There is no excess. The whole story is told in less than 1,300 Hebrew words. The author tells the story artistically, but without extras. Every act, every word, thrusts the story forward to its conclusion without sweating over the details. The significance of the story is found in what is said and done, not in descriptive adjectives or abstract nouns. There are no character descriptions. We're not told that Ruth is loving and gentle, but we do discover her character in her actions, in her words. We're not told the character's ages, their hair color, their physical characteristics, because even though this is a love story, it's not a romantic love story. Ruth is a historical short story that bridges the chaos of the book of Judges to the kingship of David, the golden age of Israel, told in the books of Samuel, immediately following the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is crafted into six sections, plus a genealogical appendix. There's an introduction and a conclusion, both of which are 71 words in length. The introduction succinctly tells of a series of events that occurred over a period of time. As noted last week, we're told the story takes place in the days when the judges ruled. The introduction describes for us the desolation or emptiness of Naomi. And the story reveals a series of events that lead to the conclusion. And the conclusion tells us about the redemption or the fullness of Naomi. 
And the story between the introduction and the conclusion unfolds according to four acts. Each of the acts is comprised of scenes, both major and minor, both private and public. So the movements of going back, going in, going out, are what define and carry along the action. Act 1 has two scenes that move Naomi and Ruth to Bethlehem. Act 2 has three scenes that center around the harvest field. Act 3 has three scenes that center around the threshing floor. And Act 4 has one scene with two foci that involve Boaz at Bethlehem's gate. As well, each act opens with a line that gives us a clue to the central action of the act. 1 verse 6 refers to the return of Naomi to Bethlehem. 2 verse 1 points to the fateful meeting with Boaz. 3 verse 1 speaks of seeking rest. And 4 verse 1 makes reference to decisive events happening at the town gate. And also the closing line of each act, except the last act, provides a hint and a smooth transition to what's to follow. 1 verse 22 speaks of the arrival in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley, barley harvest, which transitions to events in the harvest field. 2 verse 23 speaks of the end of the harvest, trans, which transitions then to the events that happen on the threshing floor. 3 verse 18, Naomi's instructions to Ruth to sit still serve as a transition to the fateful sitting in the city gate. And then 4 verse 12, the blessing pronounced by the townsmen points toward a transition to the blessings that are experienced. Throughout the story, we meet four major characters and four minor characters. The major characters are Naomi, whose name means pleasant or sweet. And through no fault of her own, she experiences despair so that she wants to be called Mara or bitter. She's a destitute widow in Israel. But through the course of the story, her life is radically changed from emptiness to fullness, from despair to hope by the kindness of Ruth and Boaz. Ruth is a foreigner from Moab, young, a widow who risks herself by devoting herself to relieving Naomi's destitution. Boaz, a noble man, most likely middle-aged, is an upstanding Israelite who risks himself to relieve Naomi's destitution. And Yahweh, the Lord, always off stage, behind the curtain of the action, but the living God of Israel who shapes destinies. The minor characters are Orpah, a foil to Ruth, the other kinsmen, a foil to Boaz, the neighbor women who represent the female community, and the fellow townsmen who represent the male community. Now, there's even more craft and polish in the story, but I think you get the sense. The author told this story with care to give us the message that God wanted. And what's that message? Naomi is transformed. 
from despair to hope, from emptiness to fullness, because Ruth and Boaz choose to love with God's kindness. Under the canopy of God's providence, Ruth and Boaz choose to live lives of chesed. They live this love and kindness that's loyal, covenantal, steadfast, unending. The story is clear. We do not automatically love this way. It is a matter of choice. It's a matter of aligning all of our actions and words with the love and kindness of God. And those who love in God's way will be blessed and be a blessing to others. The story of Ruth sheds light on the whole story of Israel. As noted last week, I said, the opening line tells us when the judges ruled. The time of the judges was a time of emptiness, a time of despair. It was a time when everyone did as they saw fit. Israel had jeopardized her place with God by failing to live God's love. So Israel faced a choice. Live the kindness of God or die as a nation. Ruth represents us with a story remarkably different from the story found in Judges. The desperation of the the Judges is transformed into a nation that's filled with peace and well-being during the reign of David, as told in Samuel. The story of Ruth bridges these two realities. Ruth tells us the story of one good man, two good women, as well as a whole community who live faithful to the covenant. And after this, God uses the reign of David to bless Israel with rest and fullness. God's promise is that as long as Israel lives the selfless love of Ruth, of Boaz, of David, Israel will find blessing. Now we know the story of Ruth doesn't stay in the Old Testament. The New Testament tells us that another in the line of Ruth and Boaz. The Gospel of Matthew shows us Ruth is the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Jesus is the epitome of God's kindness in the flesh. He is faithful and true to the covenant. Jesus is the redeemer who transforms our lives from despair to hope, from bitterness to joy, from emptiness to fullness. And we can be sure that when we show kindness, like Ruth and Boaz, like David, like Jesus, then we will see and feel God's great blessing. We will experience peace and rest. When we choose to live under God's providence and the loving kindness of Jesus, then our lives will experience God's blessing. Not only will we receive blessing for our lives, but that blessing will spread to the lives of those who are around us. So listen now. Listen to this story that speaks of a love that fills. Listen to the story of kindness displayed in the lives of Ruth and Boaz, transforming the life of Naomi. Listen to how God's blessing touches others with blessing. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, 
And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and they said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And at this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the old Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. 
Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. And she asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. And she carried it back to town And her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. And her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He's not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. Don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He'll tell you what to do. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. 
When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it's true that I'm a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. She lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, He poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. And then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? And then she told her everything Boaz had done for her. And added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to it except you, and I'm next in line. I'll redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. 
And then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who's coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Let's pray together. Compassionate compassionate God, in the story of Ruth, you reveal to us your concern for those who are empty and who despair. Your kindness responds to the cries of the poor. You come to the aid of the needy. In our world, you are concerned for the lives of the displaced, the sick, the homeless, the imprisoned, the unjustly treated, the poor. Tune our hearts to offer loving kindness toward the least of these, that we might meet Jesus in them. We pray that the great reversal promised by your kingdom would enter our world. Amen. Psalm 113 is a hymn of praise to the Lord. It's a psalm of great contrast, celebrating God's majesty and recognizing God's kindness to the lowly. Psalm 113 offers praise to the Lord for using his majestic power to lift up the needy. Psalm 113 resonates with the story of Ruth that we've just heard. Listen to Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise Praise the the Lord. Lord. 
The essential message of Ruth is this. Don't do what's right in your own eyes, but do what's right in God's eyes. Live God's love. Live God's kindness. It's a message for Israel in the time of Judges. It's a message for us in the 21st century. What good is it to be part of the nation of Israel and not live God's kind of love? What good is it to say you're following Jesus and not show God's love to one another? What good would it be to be a part of this church or or any church and not seek ways to touch each other's lives, the lives of the world, with God's kindness? What good is it to do what's right in your own eyes and miss out on doing what God desires, to live his loving kindness to everyone? We will find blessing when we live under the canopy of God's providence and offer God's kindness. Not so that we will be filled, but so that others will move into hope and fullness. When we live to bless others, rather than grab for ourselves, we will experience God's blessing. I invite you to stand to receive God's blessing as you go. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.